The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you back, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited about our special guest today. He is the founder of the GOB Network, Mr. Jim Biggs. Jim, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I am peachy keen, Cody. Thank you so much for having me on. Love doing these and love to get to know you and your audience a little bit better. Absolutely. And thank you so much for those playing along at home. We give unofficial awards. I think Jim gets the award for earliest recording, both in my time zone and his. So Jim, we appreciate you getting up so early and interrupting the coffee making. Before we jump in, just in case people haven't seen your face, heard your voice before, seen your name, which I doubt it, but just in case, we always love a good origin story and would love to start out with yours, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and where you find yourself these days. Well, I'm 64, so origin stories could be an hour and a half, so we'll just try to condense it into a quick 30 second. I'm, in essence, a poor hillbilly orphan boy from Tennessee that grew up with one new pair of shoes every year, and so I had feet tough as leather. Never had an example of what it looked like to be successful in life beyond beyond being, you know, just a, a really hard worker, which several of my foster parents were, but college wasn't in the mix. Being an entrepreneur wasn't in the mix. But um, I was lucky enough to have some people influence me early in my life and actually got me interested, not in school, but in educating myself through books. And back then, the book was the unofficial podcast. And the first one I think I was introduced to was The Magic of Thinking Big. And it made an impact on me. If you haven't read it, it's a real easy read. Dr. David Schwartz, God bless him. I hope he's still around. But joined the military and got lucky enough to be a big boy scout and have a job as a global survival instructor, but got hurt and got put out and put on disability, although very small disability. But but at the same time, you know, it, it led our life in a different direction. And I became an entrepreneur and have been an entrepreneur for most of my life. I have worked for the man. I've had a nine to five job, but it was really very early in my life and then very late in my life where I worked for the world's largest steel manufacturer in their maintenance division, working with the engineering department and working both the mechanical, electrical, hydraulics, and have been buying real estate along the way my entire life. Most of the time, though, it was buying a piece of commercial real estate to support the business that I was in. And I owned several automobile franchises, new car franchises over the years, and uh, never really thought about the real estate. But my story, very similar to a lot of other people, most of the money that we made on those deals was when we sold the business and and the value of the real estate is where you made some money, more so than the day-to-day operations even. It sounds like I, I hear a little bit of the uh, McDonald's story there. It's like you you had a business, but really the 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 real business was the real estate, which which is always interesting. Jim, I, I think it's really interesting your background. We and we love starting out with origin stories because I say it all the time, but understanding that everyone brings a dynamic background 
And it doesn't matter when or how you're jumping into real estate that as long as you have the effort and, and the the thoughtfulness to actually go and do the research and learn, you know, and grind it out probably early on that you can probably get into this at some point in time, whatever you're looking for, single family, commercial, you know, multifamily, whatever it may be, you can get in. So we love your origin story, love all origin stories, but I, I, I'm sure with, with everything you've had gone on. And all the different types of real estate you've gone in, I'm sure you got a really good unsuccess story for us today and something we can learn from. I have a lot of them. Many people have heard me say, I, I think of my life as Atlas pushing that boulder up the mountain, but it's a very rocky mountain. So he can't see how close he is to the top or how close he may still be to the bottom. It's all gravel. So every two steps forward is one step back. But if you give up, the rock, the boulder is going to crush you. And so that that is kind of the way I live my life. My life has been that story. If you have that image in your head, every time I have a success or two, I have an unsuccess. You know, what does Rod Cleave call them? Seminars? Mm. Yeah, I have a, I've had a lot of seminars in my life. I'm in one right now. I'm, I'm in, in it, it hasn't, it's not technically a loser financially because I'm not allowing it to be, but what it, the unsuccess part of it is, is that I've had to literally put everything in my life on hold and go rescue this investor that I sponsored and go rescue this deal that I sponsored. Wait, Jim. So let me just make sure I'm hearing this. Not every deal is a home run. Not every deal just works out perfectly. <laughs> that sometimes there's bumps in the road and, and you have to dive in and, and get a little bit dirty with your hands. Absolutely. And if you're not prepared to do that, you and I talked about this off air. You need to vet some of your partners, especially your boots on the ground. And not everyone is going to tell you the truth. You know, they're going to believe, and, and I don't think they intentionally are lying to you, but they're going to believe that they're going to do whatever's necessary. But until rubber hits the road and the heat is on, you don't know how people are going to really react. And most of the deals I've sponsored, the, the lead on those deals, the boots on the ground, the person who found that deal, they're doing a great job of asset management. I don't even need to be there. It's almost like a, I'm a silent partner. But I've always told everyone, I want to be those bumper guards that the kids get at the bowling alley. And every once in a while, if you roll a gutter ball, that's when I, if I need to step in and, and I've got a big time gutter ball. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had to step in. I literally am living on site in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, far from home. Everything GOB has been put on hold. All my meetups have been put on all of my other deals and capital raising because this requires a full-time manager. And there's, there's going to be times you better hope that you work from home, that you work remote and that you can work from the complex, you know, because if you get into a deal that turns out to be lipstick on a pig and you start opening up the first wall to make some kind of minor improvement and suddenly the house of cards starts to fall, you've got to be prepared to step in. Well, and there's a lot I want to unpack there, but I think the first thing that I hear, it, we have a lot of people that invest remotely and I know you do as well, but I think what I'm hearing you're you're talking about, especially in this instance and, and possibly in others is, you know, if you're investing remotely, while you may have great asset managers, you may have great contractors and, and whatnot on on the property working at any given time, you need to have the ability if stuff hits the fan 
to drop everything you're doing and get out there because you may have to get your hand, like we talked about, get your hands dirty, get in there and help massage the project a little bit, or just take the project over and oversee it. How important is it to, for those looking to either get into this or that have just done nothing, but in the last couple of years, but hit home runs because of the market that as we see the tides turn a little bit in the economy, how prepared do they need to be to do something like that in your opinion? And and what's that look like? This is one of the reasons this is a small 28 unit complex. And this is an example. It is a prime example of one of the reasons so many of my colleagues teach that you need to have a hundred units or more. And the primary reason is that if you want great property management that has the ability or has a construction arm or a construction manager or has the ability to have those people on call and can deal with that and they have proven assets that they can bring to bear, then that makes your life so much easier. Because if you don't have it and you have to step in and perform some of those roles, then everything's going to start to, it's not just going to go bad, Cody, it's going to go bad exponentially. And so I am a, I, I used to teach the same thing and I no longer teach that. What I teach is, and I drum, I beat this drum so hard that there's no cover on it anymore. It's just in shreds. You need to start small and you need to start in your backyard until you've had a couple of successes that you are directly responsible for, not your property manager, not your asset manager that you are directly responsible for. And hopefully a couple of unsuccess stories, because you don't want to have your first unsuccess story be on a hundred unit building and have your problem. Instead of being a hundred thousand dollar problem, it's a $10 million problem. And instead of having two or three or four investors really upset and pissed off at you, you now have 20, 30, 40, 50 investors. If you fail at a project that big, you'll be out of this business forever. If you fail on a small 12 unit, 20 unit, 30 unit, and you only piss off a couple of people and you probably know them personally, they'll forgive you, you know, Mm -hmm. and they'll let you try again. So, yeah, I I really am a firm believer in. And if you are investing from afar, you better really know your boots on the ground and you better vet them hard. You better hear their story and be prepared. If you're working with someone who hasn't done this at least five or six times, be prepared to have to drop what you're doing and go rescue the deal. Yeah, I I can't agree more. And I I think there's not enough people talking about the, the need or even just the the ability to invest locally, you know, outside of maybe a few states that are just not ideal or a few cities, if you will, that are not ideal. There are a lot of places in your backyard that you could find some really good deals. And even in some of those cities, you know, starting smaller will allow you to get your feet wet and do some of those things without having the spectacular fireworks like you were talking about that if something does go awry it's not nearly as big of a problem you know if you're starting out with a quadplex in your backyard and you got to you know you weren't expecting to replace the roof well it's not a 120 unit building that's 10 buildings and all 10 roofs have to be replaced or you find that the that the pipes are, you know, in terrible condition. You got to, it's a, the, the scalability is a lot easier to manage getting your feet wet with something like that. Yeah. I do, I do want to throw a question to you though. I know a lot of people 
think and like to try and get their experience through passive investing. What are your thoughts on, you know, if they're trying to learn, get in, and maybe maybe they are in a city that's not really ideal to invest in, what are your thoughts on learning through passive investing and working, work trying to work alongside the the GP group as closely as possible to kind of learn and glean from them through the process they're going through? So you said something there that I, I have to address first, which is not necessarily a good city to invest in. And I want to challenge that and ask what city is that or what state is that? I, you know, looking at, you know, I'm a big believer in the Neil Bawa metrics, right? So when we look at new markets to invest in, you know, we, we look at a lot of the growth patterns and things like that. We look at, are they landlord or tenant friendly? At the end of the day, I think that the caveat to any, I, I try not to make too many blanket statements. The caveat is always, there are potentially deals to be had in any city. Absolutely. You, you, you have Absolutely. to you have to look for them. Now there are right. cities and markets that are more advantageous for yep. investing. But, but uh, there's a there's a balance there. There's a scale, sure. right? So I love Neil. His metrics are absolutely fantastic. But Neil has invested in the South Side of Chicago, which no one would consider to be a prime market to be investing in. Mm -hmm. And Neil did not have a good experience there. Which but is why he built the program he did. That's right. And But it wasn't because you can't have success there. Mm -hmm. My argument is because Neil was in San Francisco. Okay. There's lots of people making a ton of money on the south side of Chicago. Why? Because they know the market and they're in the market. In San Francisco, in New York City, in Gary, Indiana, you can find good deals that make sense and make money in every one of those markets. And if that's where you live, my argument's going to be that's going to outweigh everything else on the scale. It's mm -hmm. going to outweigh whether it's landlord tenant friendly. It's going to outweigh whether or not it has the same ability you know, to, to meet all of your financial metrics. It's going to outweigh everything. And because of the opportunity of failure, the opportunity of unsuccess. Those things you have to, what is the number one rule of investing that we've heard forever? First, don't lose money. And I've not been a good purveyor of that message or partake in that message all my life. And at 64, about to be 65, I finally think I've learned it that first don't lose money. And the easiest way to lose money is start investing in a deal that you know nothing about and that you don't know anything about the state. You can invest Dallas, Texas, DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth, probably the hotbed of apartment investing in this country. Uh, one of the best places to invest and I own quite a few things there and I invest there regularly. But even though I in some years, I'll be in Dallas as much as I'll be at home, but I still don't know DFW the way I know my own backyard. And there are neighborhoods in DFW that if you invest there, I can guarantee you, if you don't cash flow, you're going to lose money because you're not, it's not going to appreciate. You're going to sell it no matter how much money you put into it for about what you paid for it. You know, so, but you know, I, that, that is a caveat that I want people to understand, but I've said that if you have a good horse to ride, 
if your lead sponsor is a good lead sponsor and you're really buying the sponsor and that sponsor is experienced in that market, then absolutely you can invest in those markets and should invest in those markets because it's easier to make money in those markets. And you're not depending on you to solve the problem. You're depending on them to solve the problem. And to get back to the question about being an LP, you should never be anything other than an LP if you can afford to be. You should never be anything other than an LP if you can afford to be. So start early, start small, start investing in other people's deals because you don't want another full-time job. That's not why you're listening to this podcast. But if you're the sponsor, you've got another full-time job. Don't let anyone bullshit you. If they are telling you they're not, it's not a full-time job for them, then they're not taking it seriously. They're not protecting your money the way you would like for them to protect your money. Being a lead sponsor is a full-time job. So if you want to have passive income, truly passive income, and not another full-time job, be an LP. Put $10,000 in a deal when you're 18. And then put that, when it doubles, put it in another deal when you're 20. And then another deal when you're 22. And don't ever take it out. And just as you grow in your in your lifetime. And if you're unlucky and you're starting when you're 50 because you just figured this out, Look, you've got a lot more than 10 grand to put in a deal, most likely. So you can still double your money in two to five years or five to seven years or seven to 10 years, more likely in this current economy. Folks, if you're looking for deals that are going to double every two years, you better really understand the financials. You better really vet that deal. And even as an LP, you better spend $97, get on Frontier Airlines and go walk that property and vet that deal. That's the most responsibility you have as an LP. So absolutely, you should be investing as LPs in other people's deals. Absolutely love it. Jim, I, I can't thank you enough. That's probably as good enough spot as ever to wrap up. Tons of nuggets. Folks, go back and listen to this one. Jim knows exactly what he's talking about. Love everything you're doing, Jim. Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. And for those that want to work with you, invest with you, connect with you, learn from you in the future, where's the best place for people to find you on the interwebs? Well, I'm everywhere on the interwebs, but the best place to connect with me is through the GOB network. Uh, that is where my passion lies. It's our nonprofit that we started a couple of years ago as an educational platform to teach people how to do this. So it's gobnetwork.com and you can come and check us out there, but we're not going to be hard to find. My personal cell phone's all over the internet. It's all over all social media, as is my personal email. If you want to connect with me, if you're an investor and you want to see some of the things that we're doing, not only can you find out through the GOB network, but we also have a couple of funds that, uh, that we started this year so that people can invest. And we started them so that people can in start investing smaller amounts. Well, Jim, again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's truly, truly been a pleasure to have you on and appreciate all the, the words of wisdom this morning. Thank you, Cody, so much. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening and watching at home. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.